0: All right, day 187. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. Alright, so we're in uh, Isaiah 57 and 60 today. This is the last... Uh, few chapters, man, of the book of Isaiah. And we're in this last section of Isaiah that is talking about the situation for uh, Judah post exile. Right. So remember, uh, 40 to 55 talked about this new Exodus God was going to bring. And then 56 to 66 is going to talk about uh, the way in which God will renew Zion, will renew creation for those who have been liberated from their sin uh, to dwell with him Forever. So at the end of the last chapter, we had the denouncing of the unjust leaders that led the people away from the Lord. Right. So if the section 56 to 66 of Isaiah is dominated by hope in restoration, right, Um, this. Particular uh, chapter is sprinkled uh, with speaking to a flashback of the actual sins that caused the situation in the first place, right? So he's going to refer to the wicked in Israel as witches' sons, right? Offspring of adulterers, rebellious children, offspring of liars, those who burn with lust among the oaks, right? Under every green tree, right? Who slaughter children in the wadis. Now, God is not just being cold. Here, but what he is doing is condemning uh, their idolatrous practices, right? There was worship of Canaanite gods, of fertility gods, of gods that required prostitution and the sacrific- uh, sacrificing of children, right? All of these things, and God is displeased, right? Like, like he's displeased right it's, it's clear and the whole point of this is to show once again and to highlight that these idols these things that you give yourself to one they dehumanize you right they dehumanize you and they can't save you from the problems that you face and we've talked about this before right they ain't built like that right pun intended and so yahweh says no no, no. they can't even withstand the blowing of wind then you know that they can't uh, help you in the storms of life. Right. And he contrasts, he contrasts that with the righteous. Right. So he says, no, for the high and exalted one, he contrasts himself, but he also contrasts the people. He says who lives forever, whose name is holy, says this. I live in a high and holy place and with the oppressed and the lowly of spirit. Right. Even though the Lord is high and lifted up, his concern is for those who are the lowest and ours should be. Too. And he kind of bleeds that kind of bleeds into the next chapter 58 where God is going to be like, yo, um, at the end of the day, like y'all are unjust. Right. The just nature of God demands the justice of his people. Right. Empty religion is one that says I have a relationship with God, but somehow that doesn't lead to equitable relationships with. With people. Look at verse three. Why have we fasted, but you have not seen? This is the people talking. We have denied ourselves, but you haven't noticed. Look, you do as you please on the day of your fast and oppress all uh, your workers. Basically, you had cats in ancient Israel acting as if it was pleasing to God to deny themselves a food while also at the same time denying the poor and oppressed of their basic rights and needs. Right? God, listen, God, is saying no no i want your piety to be seen in your private devotion yes but also in your public witness right in your public witness and we we have a a a a faith that is personal but it's also public right and it's public in the sense that we are to display justice and righteousness amongst the world we live in right and he says no no this that's not a fast that pleased me but the fast i want what i really desire from you is this to break the chains of the wickedness right to untie the ropes of the yoke to set the press free right and to tear off every yoke right he says um it is not uh is it not to share your bread with the hungry to bring the poor and homeless into your house to clothe the naked when you see him and not to ignore your own flesh and blood listen I love it because uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, if you've listened to this podcast, you know, I love Dr. King. He's one of my favorite uh, thinkers of all time. He speaks in the same tone as the prophets when he says this, he says that uh, any religion that professes to be concerned about the souls of men and is not concerned about the slums that that damn them. The economic conditions that strangle them and the social conditions that cripple them is a spiritually moribund religion awaiting burial. And listen, the rest of the chapter is clear. God can withhold His blessing from us by us failing to be a br- a blessing to the people around us. God wants justice uh, among His people and even at the end he shows that he is not pushing back against the religious rich rhythms and rituals that were instituted in their society right he's not telling you no nah, no nah. he's not saying don't go to church he's not saying don't read the bible he's not saying don't pray he's not saying don't fast but the rituals and rhythm rhythms uh he, he's he's he can he doesn't condemn them he condemns them at the expense of righteousness right he condemns them at the expense of of justice he shows that he still desires that his sabbaths right for example should be kept and in 59 he further illuminates uh what he means by these sins he you know uh we learn just not what they did uh we we learn not just what they did was wrong in the lord's eyes we see how it affected their relationship with god himself right so it says no but your iniquities are separating you from your god right and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not Listen, listen, sin alienates us from God. God is so holy that he cannot look upon sin. It can't stand in his presence. He is perfectly moral, righteous, and pure. And thus, sin creates this barrier between man and God. And all Isaiah is trying to do is remind them of this truth. And once again, the problem is not petty offenses, right? These are real acts of violence, right? Look what he says. He says, For your hands are defiled with blood, their works are sinful works, and violent acts are in their hands. Look at verse 7. And they rush to shed innocent blood. God is disgusted, the text brings up, with senseless acts of violence, especially when it is against the innocent and defenseless. Furthermore, one of the more interesting things he does here is he uses a variety it's interesting he uses a variety of body parts as metaphors to describe the pervasive nature of sin right that is present in his people from head to toe literally right in a sense every area of their lives was plagued with sin against uh, committing atrocities against the lord and against their neighbor nonetheless they have this you know they have this plea of repentance in verse nine and by the end of the chapter the lord is described as once again uh, a divine warrior who comes and rescues his people uh f- like in the midst of their sin and so you see the lord here is even uh one who is gracious enough who is holy enough to uh, be disgusted with sin, but he is gracious enough to rescue us uh, when we turn from our sins. so I love what he says here he calls him uh, the redeemer in isaiah 59 he is uh, he uses language that Paul will even use in Ephesians six to talk about God as this warrior, the concept of spiritual warfare um, and it's just so amazing how the Lord takes on these characteristics that he calls us to embody as well and then when it comes to our sin We need the Lord to fight a battle for us that we could never win on our own. And that's what the text wants to drive home to us today. Isaiah 60, final chapter of this bunch. Following the salvation that God would bring to his people through the action of the divine warrior he brought up in 59, the glory of the Lord will appear. Right. According to chapter 60, the glory of the Lord, the radiant, splendor and majestic presence of God will come and illuminate Zion or Jerusalem, causing a transfer from darkness to light. This is why the New Testament, when it talks about the work of Jesus, Jesus it talks about it talks about him uh, transforming uh us from the king or transferring us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light these themes are here in isaiah israel he says will be regathered the nations will be attracted to this radiant light right they will no longer oppress the people of god but will actually come and serve the people of god so here remember babylon takes israel into captivity he said no no no. it will be a reversal right there will be uh not just they will not there will not be sorrow but there will be joy in this Joy will be unending. The violence that was once so pervasive will now be non-existent. Praise will surround and envelop the city. Sin will no longer be a term or category that is used anymore. Only righteousness. Right. And ultimately, the text says the Lord will be glorified. Right. The Lord will be glorified. This what he brings up is a renewed city with a renewed and glorified people under the reign of the same good perfect and holy god our king listen we have we may have a lot of problems today but as the people of god we always have something to look forward to and isaiah is bringing that hope to bear in Israel's present moment and in ours as well. My prayer today is that we would believe him. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your grace and mercy to believe the things that you have for us. And I pray, God, that you would give us the faith to know that we will one day take hold of it. It's in Christ Jesus' name, amen.